Hello and welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. And this podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday normal rhythms of life. I've got all the guys with me today. Guys, you want to say hi? Yeah, this is Rob Spikestra, Pastor of Discipleship. Kevin Kinor, Pastoral Assistant. Alex Tate, Sacred City Youth Director. Well, welcome back to the podcast, guys. Um, as I said last time, we're going to spend some time talking about biblical femininity this week. And that word is not easy to say. No, it isn't. If you try to say that multiple times in a row, it is, it is not easy. Yeah. And biblical femininity is not feminism. Those are two separate things. Yeah. So um, this is going to be a little bit about, this is going to be a, we're going to call this a pedo podcast. <laughs> it's a pedo oh. podcast. Oh, okay. Because technically, Rob hasn't preached his sermon, yeah. and so this is looking forward in faith to Rob's sermon. Yes, it is. See what uh, comes out, and and we're gonna see. So, but we're gonna give. But when this podcast comes out, uh, Rob will already have preached the yeah. sermon. So yeah. things could change Saturday night. You never know. Yeah, that's right. We might have to do an update morning. on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Rob, you wanna. Like you want to kick us off here? Well, what are, what are we going to talk about? Biblical feminism. Well, I, femininity. I, yeah, big, yeah, right. Biblical. Yeah, you're right. It is very <laughs> difficult to, to actually actually say. Yeah. So the, the way I want to take it on Sunday, um, it, it really to look at it is kind of somewhat what you had done. I noticed that you had done it when you did masculinity and kind of going through God's story in the sense of creation, fall, and then redemption, and helping us to see. Uh, what is femininity in relationship to that story? And you can learn something about what it means to be a woman from all those those three those three stages, particularly when you obviously come to redemption. Uh, but we come to we we, we start off with um, creation, and within creation, uh, I find it interesting that when God has made we, we get the we get that what, ten thousand foot level kind of view of creation chapter one, and in that that description of the creation of humanity, he says, I've made male and female, that he's created male and female. And right there says something about God's order of things, and that is that gender does matter, that there is, a, that there is something significant about the fact that we are made in his image, but that image is made both in male and, and the female. But interestingly enough, he gives the mandate is really given to the man. The mandate is given to the male in terms of God has called him uh, to be the one who leads that, and yet the mandate is requires the woman. Yeah. So the, the 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 interesting thing about Genesis one, and then you enter into Genesis two, which is Genesis two is kind of going down into that more. Then let's go to that level of the specific day sixth day of the creation of humanity. We have the male that is created, and if you if you think about it, in the day when when we had when Genesis was first given, it wasn't given in a book. It was it was spoken. This is all oral, you know. And so you would have heard, you'd heard this. It is good. 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 It is very good. It's not good. Yeah. <laughs> and that not good is the moment that just kind of puts you know really the the, the hearer or the reader it puts them back on their heels and says what. What's not good? Well, of course, what's not? What is not good? Man to be alone. Man to be alone. Yeah, mm-hmm. that there is, there is a necessity. There's something that man has been given a kind of a, a design uh, that is that's not going to be able to fulfill the mandate in of itself. It requires more than a man to the male to work out what God has called him to do, which mm-hmm. is to. Uh, fill this world to be fruitful and fill it to be to be one who is actually subduing 
creation itself and and imaging forth his his uh, creation. It is not good. And it's it, funny because in order, it's almost like this isn't in the text specifically, but it's almost like in order to get that point across to Adam, yeah, God like had him name the animals. Yes. And so he, Adam's like going through the animals, and he's like. Nope, 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 yeah. nope. And then it says he did not find a suitable helper. Yeah. So there was, so a suitable helper. So I need someone that suits me, but can help me. So someone like me, but not like me. Yeah, right. Right? And obviously we know God doesn't give him a man. Mm-hmm. And you think, I got a huge job to do. The job. What are you going to do? You're going to find another man, I'm right? If I, if I, I, yeah. If I got to move move a piano, I'm getting another man. You know. Yeah, for sure. Like if I'm going to, if I got to go till a field, if I got to go kill a bunch right. of animals, more than likely I'm I'm going to get another man. Right. And he's got this epic job description of of taking the garden and making it flourish to spread across the whole face of the earth. Mm-hmm. So that requires tilling the ground. That requires horticulture. That requires husbandry. All kind of different things. It's going to require. Mm-hmm. And he can't, he can't do it alone. Well, I would think go get a man. Yeah. But God doesn't give him a man. Right. Right. Yeah. So the beauty of it is, is that it's really setting up us, the here or the readers or the hearers, to really be setting up. Well, then who is suitable? Who is going to be the perfect correspondence to this man that can help him accomplish what God has this this great, you know, this great mandate that God has given to take this untamed wild world. Outside the garden, you think about it. Outside the garden, it's it's crazy. Yeah. You know, it's it's untamed yet. It's wild. There's all kinds of natural resources that are there that have all kinds of potential. But another man isn't going to do it. It's need. It requires somebody that's different. It corresponds, but is different. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, then what do we have? We have then. And, I, and I, you know, I just as we've been going through this whole origins thing, it's just the beauty of the descriptions and of how you know you get kind of get into it and think about how man first of all was created, the male was created, and then how you think about how the female was created and of course she is not he's created from the the dirt to work the dirt and she is created from his side and Mm -hmm. she is created from a rib so she he is she is like him from him and as good good old matthew henry our commentary tells us he's not she's not from the head to to lead not from the on the foot to be trampled upon she's near his heart relationally Mm -hmm. driven and this is the one. So, so then we have him when she, when you know, he wakes up. You know, I like, can you imagine waking up? You know, at first surgery, <laughs> yeah, right after, right, right after significant hey, he surgery. He wasn't put out. Yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was put out. Yeah. No medicine. That's right. He wakes up. This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. I mean, he is rejoicing. That's poetry. In what he is at. Yeah, that's, that's poetry. good. It's that's the good first, poetry. Yeah, it's poetic. You know, mm-hmm. it's very, it's poetry. So yeah, so there's just this beauty about this creation of this, this other being if we will you know this this female and you know she's attractive yeah she's beautiful mm. she's and his standards right what's that she is his standard yeah yeah it's yeah. good so, so it's out of that so the first thing we we know just from creation is that the woman is to be is to be a helper she she is absolutely necessary for in this case adam to accomplish his mission but then we begin you know we begin to pull down to our lives now uh, on this side of things and we cannot accomplish the mission that God has given to us as men without the women. Yeah. Let me say something about that. So yeah. think about that. Her primary role was to be a helper for him to accomplish the mission. Okay? So a helper, so they together could accomplish the mission. Imagine Adam coming to God and saying, this is, you know, just yeah. imagine this. 
this mission you gave me is too big. Yeah. Like the weight of responsibility. I have, I, I can't do this by myself. Mm-hmm. And then imagine, you know, God creating something that was just beautiful and giving it to him. He'd been like, uh, well, thanks. She's, she's, she's beautiful to look at, yeah. but I need to help her yeah. <laughs> in the field. I don't. So it's, it's equivalent of like, Hey, I need a, I need a, I need a drill. I need a drill. And you come and ask somebody for a drill and they give you a flower. Mm. You're like, uh, well, well that's pretty, but that doesn't help me accomplish the mission that I need a drill for. Right. When he had a mission and he needed a, he needed someone to help him accomplish that mission. God gave him Eve, which means Eve isn't just meant to be arm candy. She's not just meant to be beautiful. She's not just meant to be help him have babies. She was given to help him co- accomplish the mission. Yeah. So that means them together, it's going to maximize their effectiveness in the mission of God yeah. or the cultural mandate, whatever you want to say. Right, right. Yeah, because what he was told, and then now she, he is to, to lead her in this, he is told you need to subdue and have dominion. And so this says that the woman is to come alongside him and help him subdue and have dominion. That the work that God had called man to do, woman is also called to work as well in order to get this, get this accomplished. So this, this is not going to be done, and we cannot do, whether we're, we, we're a husband and we have our, God has given us a mission within our own family, but whether we're you know, men within the context of the church, there is not, it's not going to be accomplished apart from women fulfilling the role that they, they, can, they need to fulfill in order for us to accomplish this, this, you know, this uh, mandate or this mission that we have. Yeah. So that's right there in creation. We, we find some, some really good stuff in terms of just what she is being called to, the, the, the high calling of what it means to be a woman. And that, as you pointed out, it's more than just simply... Unfortunately, you know, in, the, in, in our day and age, we were, we were talking about in our previous podcast that um, we, once, once work was no longer and once since technology had taken away the, the, the kind of work that was required of a, of a woman at one point, uh, we have all this extra time. We did not obey in the sense this mandate, which is, okay, what is the woman to do with all this extra time? How can she work in such a way that will make the, and we'll find out later, that the home is a place which is absolutely important for fulfilling the Great Commission? How can she make that place even a greater place of fruitfulness and effectiveness for the kingdom uh, kingdom mm. of God? So, yeah, so. So so with that, like um, you said, helper, right? For yep. a lot of For a lot of women that could Raise some flags where I'm frustrated. Like I don't want to be the helper. So like, what is that? Like, what does that actually look like? And maybe some of their roles where maybe they're not so offended in the sense of hearing that word. Yeah, helper. and and obviously what you're referring to is when we typically think of a of a helper, we're talking about an assistant. Maybe be talking about someone who is kind of the gopher. It's yeah. somebody that hey, you know, I've got all this work to do. I need somebody to kind of do this menial task kind of a filter. So immediately that is what's with what's within our mind. Uh, but that's not that's not what the the word means at all. And mm. matter of fact, the, the word itself is used of God Himself. We see that in the Old Testament, where God is called our Helper. Yeah. And in no way would we say, "Oh, that's a weak position," or "That is a position that has no glory or or greatness." It actually is God. We would not be able to 
be alive without this helper, this yeah, yeah. one who is our refuge yeah. and, and our help. And then you go to the New Testament, and what do we have? We have the Holy Spirit who's called the helper. So the Holy Spirit is the one who also comes alongside and so is strong, has, you know, has abilities, if you will, that is going to be able to move the mission forward. Yeah. So again, it's... It's not a reference of inferiority, nor is it a reference to weakness in any way, at least within the, the Hebrew word itself. So if you, if you are offended by the word helper, then you are, have just been culturally conditioned yeah. to believe that that is an inf- inferior or insignificant role, mm-hmm. and it's not. Yeah. And that's the scary part, too, because, I mean, the way you broke it down, because, of course, truth never changes, right? God's word is, his word is never changing. Right. Um, but when we look on the Internet, right, the helper could be something different. Yep. In 10 years, you know, or even to this point now, like he said, with the culture where in your mind, you're automatically thinking you're just, oh, I'm just an assistant. Like, I don't want to be assistant. I want to be the leader. I want to mm-hmm. be the boss. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, right. The problem with that is there can only ever be one boss. So thankfully, biblically, God tells us who is the head in yeah. the marriage. Yep. Now, if we don't have that, then you have a constant battle or you have one person that is just weaker than the other and the stronger person wins. You know what I mean? Yeah. And sometimes the stronger personality could be the female and sometimes it could be the male. And the Bible is very specific. It says, no, the husband is the head. That means he's the one who's supposed to take the glad assumption of sacrificial responsibility and it all comes back to him and the wife is meant to be the helpmate. Right. And that's how the... So he, he, set, he settles the debate for us right there. Right, and if you don't have someone to settle the debate, well, then what happens? What do you appeal to? Typically, uh, you you end up resulting with might makes right. Whoever's the strongest. Now, what, well, that what does that? Aren't isn't the man always the strongest? Oh no 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 no. Ladies know how to manipulate. Ladies know how to deprive of sex. Lady knows how to control. Uh, you know, through nagging and through complaining and through art being argumentative and making a man's life miser- a hell on earth, they know how to exert their power, their strength, their relational ability, and she wants to rule. Like, that's what Genesis 3 tells us. So this is how many times sinful women um, wrench the headship away from man and they take it on themselves, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and what we see in the fall there is... the this very thing, and that is that when we begin to, and what happened with with Eve was she was tempted to question the goodness of God. Did God really say, is is the question that the serpent asks, and then he... She says, oh, no, and unfortunately she adds to the word of God. We uh, Here she says, not only you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, that's the adding of the word of God, lest you die. But then the serpent said to the woman, oh, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Mm. And so what he is tempting Eve to believe that God is not good, that God is somehow holding back, and that if only she would be autonomous, if only she could be the one who, here's your word, define the words that, the way she wants to define it, mm-hmm. I know what is good, I know what's, what's bad for me. Once, once that happened and she became came be independent of authority, that's when things went south right there. Yeah. Um, and that's where we see the fall. And so that's what we see with regards to now feminism today is feminism is wanting to define define these terms 
according to our own our own thoughts, our own our own ways, rather yeah. than how God has has defined things. And so, feminism yeah. has nearly ruined the world. Yeah. And um, and now feminism has ruined itself yeah. because so, transgenderism has taken the same concept mm-hmm. and said, um, "Excuse me, but what is a woman?" Yeah. Mm. And if you didn't hear this, the um, I can't remember who it was is the one of the higher ups of the Department of Education yesterday was asked in front of Congress to define a woman, and could not do so. Yeah. Refused to do so, could not do so. Right. Once again, played the "I'm not a biologist" card. Yeah. So the Department of Education, who's teaching us, wants to teach our children about sexuality, can't even define what a woman is. So can you break down the femininity and the feminism? Because I feel like we keep using it like both sides. Feminism is a philosophy. Feminism is an ideology. Okay, Mm -hmm. An ideology is when you remove God from the equation, Mm -hmm. an ideology is basically, I think of it as idolatry almost. It's a way of defining the world without God Mm -hmm. as God. Okay. So the ideology of feminism, I wasn't prepared to go into that whole thing right now, but the ideology of feminism, again, is we have no God. We are not created unique. The biblical origin story is not true. We came from evolution, and we can define meaning mm-hmm. ourselves. We mm-hmm. can define our own telos. We can define our the own help. words. Yeah. So, you know, I, a woman is what I want it to be. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. where it eventually ends up. That's why this lie of feminism defeated itself because originally it was a woman can do everything a man can do, right? And then now it's it's continued the trajectory away from God, and it said a woman can be whatever a woman wants to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a it's a li- it's a linguistic concept. It's just a word. So a man can be a woman. I mean, that's mm-hmm. where we're at now. A man can be a woman. It's it's bizarre. Yeah. Right now. Think about this, because we live in an anxious world. I think the anxiety that we live in today is so much more than 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago. A lot of that anxiety comes as a result of what we've done, and that is that when I can no longer define things, I have no idea if I'm even thinking rightly or wrongly at any one moment, because I don't know if, and again, something that was... Tell you what, 50 years ago, if you asked somebody what a woman was, they could tell you. Yeah. There wasn't even a thought. You didn't even have to think 50? about these things. 15. Yeah, 15. Yeah. I guess so. I, yeah, it feels like it's been forever, but you're right. F- maybe 15, five. Yeah. Maybe five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is brand new. Right. right? It's scary that we world. go from books to the internet, and now the internet, you can change a massive of things quickly compared to printing yeah. off multiple books. Yeah. So I, so here's where I'm going with this, and that is that I think the anxiety that we are feeling and our children are feeling is that they're going to schools where they can't help them define anything. And so they don't even, you know, so they there's nothing solid for yeah. them to yeah. know what is right or wrong, what, what are the boundaries, what are the limits. Rob, and, can you imagine being eight years old and saying, teacher, yeah. what is a woman? And then the teacher saying, what do you what think, do you think it, it is? Yeah, a woman is whatever you think it is. You're eight years heart. old. You don't know anything. You're eight years old. Yeah, I'm like, so is it a velociraptor? Yeah, because I would want to be a velociraptor. Right. You know. Like, right. So right. then right. I can. Right. I, then that means I can define. Yeah. What grade do you think you should have? I so, should have so 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 <laughs> I don't want to get into this too much. But what what I want to I kind of want to bend if we can bend it towards the home. Because, and the reason I want to bend it towards the home is because mm. when, when we were talking about masculinity, 
we talked about one. Alex brought it up and he said, what happened with our roles and everything? How, how did we get here? Mm-hmm. And we talked about um, industrialization and we talked about modernization. <clears throat> and we got to this point in the 50s kind of where I hate to say it like this because it wasn't like this universally, but in some ways it was easy to be a stay-at-home wife if you had a man that made enough money because you had an oven and you had a blender and you had a washing machine. And honestly, you also had microwave, microwavable meals, Mm -hmm. you know, and you were just kind of, you were meant to like kind of look pretty and just have a casserole. And that was like the epitome of woman. And And I started thinking about it. Think about, in one sense, men had conquered nature and they had given their masculinity away to others. And that's what I mean. Masculinity is the glad assumption of sacrificial responsibility. Before that, I'm, as a man, I'm responsible for everything that happens in my home. That means I'm responsible for the education of my children. Mm-hmm. I'm responsible that they're fed. I'm responsible that they're protected. I'm responsible that they grow up into good human beings and they've got a house, you know, a roof over their head. And that means I got to make sure that my wife, more than likely, is educating our children. I got to buy the books. I got to I got to be involved in the curriculum. I got to know what's going on there. I got to be working in the field. I got to do all this stuff. Mom, she's got to make the clothes. She's got to yep. wash the yep. clothes. She's got to educate the children. Think about the weight on a a, a wife at that time, a right. woman, right. right? To to if think about it, if you're just you, your husband, and your family out on the prairie. Yeah, it, to survive, it is just it is to survive. Absolutely, was crucial that the woman was at work within the home, making sure that the crops that had been the the garden, let's say, that the garden had succeeded. And not only had it succeeded, but that it had been harvested, and not only had it been harvested, but that it had been canned, because mm-hmm. they were not going to be able to survive a winter if they didn't have enough food in that yeah. cellar. I mean, that, that's yeah. the kind of stuff that they were doing. I mean, we're, we're talking survival. At While that at point. the same time, she has to be educated. Yeah. Because she's teaching her children right. how to, you know, the basic of the the basics. Yeah. But mm-hmm. she's she's reading these books, and she's teaching mathematics, and she's teaching literature, and she's teaching them the Bible. Right. So she's not this 1950s airhead beautiful woman that just pops in a microwave of casserole and out right, comes. Right, right. She has to take the raw materials that the husband brings in, whether the harvest is all potatoes. Yeah. What is she going to do? She's going to turn that potatoes into ten different things. Amen. You know what I mean? <laughs> like well, she's got French fries and tater tots and all, who knows what she's going to do? She's going to make that yeah. beautiful and tasty for all the kids. Mm-hmm. Whatever he brings home, animals. She's going to turn those animals' skins into whatever. You know. Yep. The cotton, all the stuff she's gonna she's gonna make beautiful clothes. She's gonna educate. So she needs to be educated. Yeah. She needs to be incredibly hardworking. She needs to be industrious, creative, mm-hmm. right? And of course, beautiful in the sense of making the home hospitable, making the home a welcoming place to yeah. be. Th- this so in some sense, industrialization and modernization, it kind of in one sense it dumbed down the role, but. We, it also dumbed down the role of masculinity because what did he have to do? All he had to do was go to work and provide. That's all he had to do. He was an excuse of not taking care of because, the kids. W- because what happens to the kids? Kids go off to public school. Right. In the public school, the, the, oh, I'm, I'm sure they're learning everything. They're, they're, so he, he no longer is responsible for the education of his children. They're taking care of that. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to be responsible for protecting. Why? Because we've got safe cities and we've got police and we've got 
you know, we've Christianized the world in such a way that it's fairly moral. So he doesn't have to worry about that, right? There's a lot of things that he doesn't have to worry about anymore. But what's interesting now is as we are being repaganized, we're losing all of those comforts. Right. We can't trust the public education anymore. So we got to take that responsibility back on ourselves. Yeah. We can't trust the police. Not that not all the police are anything like that, but we our society is more violent and we we don't have enough police for the amount of criminals and stuff. So we we have to be more responsible there. Right. So do you see how for the woman it seems like now is the time that she's going to have to take on some more of that domestic responsibility once again. And she can't just go off to work and have two working parents and, and just trust that the kids are going to turn out fine. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Yeah. So it's interesting how technology has been a blessing and it is a blessing. And I think God intended it for it to be a blessing in terms of expanding the ability to get things done. But rather than filling up then that extra time with what God would call it, would probably call us as men and women to do we kind of sat back and became passive and didn't really fill that void. And so that, vo- that void got felt, filled and oh, it got filled good. in such a way that thankfully, I, okay, so I'll say this and maybe thinking positively in terms of the demo, you know, we, we just went through demolition at the, at the new church building. Uh, I think our secular culture is doing the job for us. It's demolishing so much that now we're at a place where we, as believers in Christ, if we will, if we will press forward a godly home, if we have a godly home, we can be the people who build up our society in a way that God intended, and that is that we take over some of these things, the very things that you were you were describing for us. So the woman has a, a woman has a, a key role in this, and the, and the key role is it's interesting what we're seeing here is that when when Paul tells older women. Uh, to, in a sense, disciple younger women, one of the things he tells her to do is he tells her to, to be workers at home. Now, yeah. That's a, f- what? Yes, yes. That's Work- offensive. Right. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it can sound offensive, right? In, in, our, in, our, in our time. But he's not, he, he is saying what, what she needs to be about is she needs to be, she needs to really be turning her heart or her head towards the home. It's not to say that she doesn't have she can work outside the home. It's just that if she's going to work outside the home, she needs to do it in such a way that it will benefit the home and not in replacement of the home. Mm. Because we go to we go to Proverbs thirty one, you know, the classic passage, the classic passage of a of a godly woman. I mean, that woman was industrious. She was creative. Uh, she she did things that were. I mean, she was making some. She was she was a good businesswoman. You know, and and uh, buying land, yeah, buying land and and selling it. I mean, she was she was a she was she was being fruitful. Is what she was doing. And remember, the mandate went to to be fruitful. And so it's not only fruitful having children. Of course, that's absolutely important, but also being fruitful and just what she is doing. That she's she's part of that that fruitfulness. But it's also interesting in Proverbs thirty one because it says there that her children and her husband praise her. I was about to say that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So why is that Why is that important, that her children and her husband are praising her? What's that say about her heart? Well, it's, it says that, first off, she's, I would just say she's fulfilling her creational mandate, that she was, we've, we've already talked about women are, they're created from the side, they're more relationally oriented, mm-hmm. that her people love her, her the best. Yes. Her people love her the best. Yeah. Not her boss. Yeah. Not her business associates, not her her industry executives. Yeah. 
which is what happens. Like if you, if you were an industry executive, if you grow up and you're in the, you know, you're, you're fulfilling more of a masculine role and you're many women are doing that on purpose to break the supposed glass ceiling there. Mm -hmm. Then yeah, your coworkers love you. Your, Mm -hmm. your colleagues love you. They think you're great. You're, but who cares? Mm -hmm. What matters most is what your people think about you, your daughters, your sons, your husbands, your husband, right? Now, what even the very statement that you've made is, what's work in the home? Why is it that we do balk at that? Well, feminism has said, you have, says the homemakers, those who stay at home, don't maybe work outside the home, says, you have betrayed us. Yeah. You have, you, we, there's a betrayal that has occurred. And what feminism is wanting women to do is feminism is wanting to say, hey, you need to be loyal to our people, that is, women, mm. womanhood. And what the Bible's saying is, oh no, she needs to be, she needs to be, her tribe is her husband and her children. Now, that's her people. Yeah. That's who she should be working for. So, so question here. Um, it, says, so, it says in Proverbs, yeah. she looks well to the ways of her household mm. and does not eat the bread of idleness. Yeah. So this isn't 1950s, Sitting at home and being idle. Yeah. She looks well to the ways of her household. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also. And he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Mm. In the beginning, the first verse or 10 says, An excellent wife who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. Hear that. He will have no lack of gain. What that means is she compliments him in such a way that it's not like one plus one equals two. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. It's a multiplier of effectiveness. Yeah, what was yeah. mandate? Yeah. Multiply. Yeah. yeah. Not add. Multiply. And not just, that doesn't, that yes, that does mean make babies. Yeah, right. But it doesn't just mean that. make babies. Right. We know that if one person can accomplish, you know, let me just, if one person can accomplish 500 output of energy. Two people mm-hmm. accomplish like 1,200 or 1,250. It's not equal. It's right. not like one is 500 and two would be 1,000. No, no, no. When two people work together, there's a multiplier to their effectiveness. Yeah. Mm. And, and God has designed it that way on purpose. Yeah. And so, man, it's so fascinating here. And then once you think about all the women in the Bible, they're all, I mean, there's only one or two examples that you could maybe use to that would be against this, like Deborah or something in Judges. But almost every single woman, her blessing and her the role that she played was a strictly feminine role. It was not a masculine role that she played in the scriptures. And God used these feminine women, and I'm using that specifically, you know, these women in feminine roles, um, to accomplish his mission, yeah. right? to bring forth the Messiah. Yeah. Right? They're, they're vital. You, you've got Ruth, right? And you've got Naomi, and you've got, well, you could go all the way, I mean, you can go all the way back. I mean, it's, for, you start with Eve, but you can go all the way back, because obviously in every single story, there's a, there's a woman in it as well. Mm-hmm. You got Naomi, you got all, you've got um, Rahab, you've, you've got all these different women yeah. that are very important. In, in the story of God. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing. So now I, you think about, I, I think about an anxious moment. An anxious moment was back at the garden, actually, when they sinned, 
And it's interesting how God replies to that sin. They have disobeyed him, and he has said, you will die. But what does he do? He doesn't kill them. He actually says, the woman is going to be the hope for the redemption. In other words, he says, out of her seed, a redeemer will come. She'll be the one who... So what, what a gracious God that we have, that he takes the woman who has been deceived and has transgressed, that God says, I'm going to use you as the one who's going to actually bring the Redeemer. You're going to be the life giver. You're going to be the one through you that's going to be the life giver. Now, of course, the Messiah has already come. Before, before the Messiah came, every woman was, who was in, in the line in the sense of who God had called out to be his people were wondering, is it going to be me? Is it going to be me? You know, there, there's always a, every woman as she was, having, was conceiving a child wondering, am I going to have the dragon slayer? And ultimately, of course, Jesus comes. Mary is the one in whom it, it births the dragon slayer, Jesus Christ. So then the question is, well, what role does women have now on this side of redemption in terms of dragon slayers? Well, she now has the opportunity in her home. So the home seems to be the key place wow. of which we are to be raising up dragon slayers. Training them. Yes. Equipping them. Yes. In the way of the Lord. Yes. Dragon slayers. This, and this is the woman's job. Man, she's, so, a, she's a trainer. And, and yes, sense, she is. Think of this. <laughs> yes, and one she sense, is. She's a trainer. So Eve gave birth to the dragon slayer. Yep. And from that moment on, the calling of the Christian woman was to raise yes. little dragon, dragon slayers. slayers. Yeah. Male and female dragon yeah. slayers. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So you think about it. The husband is going to be responsible for that to actually occur. But so often, what are we doing? God, in our time and day, is we are heading out. We Our, our jobs are not in our homes anymore, hardly so most of us aren't there during the day, but who is there during the day? It's our wives that are there during the yeah. day, and they're the ones who are. And and here's here's another interesting thing, and uh, is that um, when when we when Paul tells, and this is in the context of the church, he he tells women to be to be silent. He tells them to to learn quietly, and then says, "I do not permit a woman." To you know, to teach or exercise authority over a man, and then he goes back and says the reason why he he says it's because of the created order and because of the of the fall, and we could we could go deep into this, but we're not going to at this moment. But what I find interesting there is that he says uh, it, it's not because she's incapable of understanding theology; it's not because she couldn't teach well. You know, there's a lot of women who can teach very well. Um, it's, it has nothing to do with her capacity or capability to understand theology. He, what he does say is he says, "I want her to learn." Why would she need to learn? Well, the reason why she needs to learn is because she's in the home, and she needs to not only... Men are really good at this. We're really good at propositional truth. We're really good at giving you, here's what it means, here's what you need to do, go do it. Women are the ones who make propositional truth beautiful. Yeah, They're the ones who can take something that is a prose or a propositional truth, and they can make it poetic. Yeah. They make it beautiful. So the woman is, a, is made to be attractive. And the reason she's made to be attractive, she has beauty, is because she's the one who's making God's truth beautiful. Yeah. And so that's one of the things that our women, I, I think if, if in the 50s, you know, when we kind of seemingly, you know, we're kind of using it as a generality, but... That was the point where now she has the opportunity to really make her home beautiful, make her the meals wonderful. Let, uh, you know. let, me, let me apply this. So yeah, we've talked about how women are called the helper, and the Holy Spirit is also called the helper. And one of the thing, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to lead us into truth. Yeah. And one of the responsibilities of the Spirit is to apply to each individual believer yeah. 
the work of Jesus. Mm -hmm. yeah. So think about, and I'm going to use the, the illustration of art. So engineering is not art. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Men dominate engineering. I mean, not because it's patriarchal, just because of the act itself is, and I'm going to, I'm sorry, it's kind of boring. It's numbers and figures and facts and it's, it's it's man it's masculine it's masculine task right it's not artistic no and women are amazing interior designers and graphic and all all, all kind of arts artsy stuff yeah. so as the holy spirit takes propositional truth and mm -hmm. makes it beautiful to an individual person so that they would believe it and be applied the work of salvation yeah. so a woman is meant to take teaching from the elders teaching from the word of god and artistically apply it yeah. to their children, yes. artistically apply it in the home, yes. creatively adapt it, adorning their home with glory. Yeah, that's right. Man, that's yeah. They're culture that's creators, awesome. you know, like that's in amazing. the home. That's yeah, great. they really are. They, they, yeah. they are, they're the ones who, you know, you hear that command, uh, uh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, as a man, when I listen to that and I read that, I think, okay, I'll, okay, I understand what that says. But I think women are the ones who are best designed to actually make that happen, yeah. to actually help us to see the beauty of God, to help us to taste that God is, God really is good. Uh, you know, so, I mean, you know, you bring it down to, it, it's, it's one thing if she makes a peanut butter jelly sandwich, okay, that tastes okay. But when she, and, and I'd say that's a good gift, you know, that's a good gift from God. God gave us jelly and bread and, and you know, the technology to make bread and, and, and peanut butter and all this business. But when, she, when, when I bring home the ingredients, she says, hon, you know, go to, the, go to the grocery store and could you get these items? To me, they're just items that don't really mean much. She's the one who then makes something that is, you know, my, my sense would be a recipe that's very propositional. She makes it into something that tastes really, really yeah. good. And so this is the this is the job of the woman in terms of our homes, is that she is to take this propositional truths, these great truths that God has given to us, and then she is the one who has the, I don't know how she does it, but she can make them wonderful. They, she can make them beautiful. And you you think about you think about uh, our, the Pharisees in the New Testament. The Pharisees in the New Testament they knew they knew doctrine and they actually knew what to do, what was right and wrong. But nobody wants to be a Pharisee because there's no there's no beauty to being a Pharisee. So the the scripture is the word kills, but the spirit yeah. gives life. Oh, that's yes, that's good, and that's what she does. She gives life. Wow. Hey. And what is she? Wow. What she is eat? I, I, I think we just nailed yeah. Rob's sermon for yeah, him yeah, right that's now. It. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, thank you guys, appreciate you. <laughs> that's good. Because the yeah. letter kills. The letter kills, and the yeah. spirit gives life. Yeah. And Eve, wow. what, who, what is Eve? Eve's the life giver. Wow. Yeah. She's bringing the gourmet This is meal. all coming around, isn't it? Yeah. It's amazing. It's good. It's good. Yeah. Man, it, it reminds me. So like for me, you know, I've been a home builder and I love, I, I love, you know, to build. I love the, the foundation, the concrete, the framing, the, and I put it up and I get it all roughed in and I get everything done and everything, you know, I get it all finished and then I look to my wife and say, okay, what's the tile supposed to look like? Right. Or before that, I'm like, what's the layout supposed to look yeah, like? Because right, yeah. she's thinking, our, our people have to live here. So yeah. we want a big, open, great room. We want 
where the family can gather. We need this many bedrooms. We need this many bathrooms. She's thinking hospitable terms and relational terms. And I'm just like, I want to build it. And how much money am I going to make on it? You know, yeah. like how is it a yeah. good investment or not? Right. Yeah. right. And then she's, or, and then when we get it all done, I'm not design. I'm not the interior designer. She makes it beautiful. She makes a house a home. She makes it beautiful. She makes yeah. it, and that sets the tone that. My kids don't care about what two by fours are in the wall. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what I did. That's what I pro- Yes, the foundation, it's not leaking. That's great. And, and the roof's not leaking. The foundation's solid. They don't mm-hmm. really care. What they care about is, ooh, look at the mantelpiece. That tells us it's Thanksgiving. That yeah. tells us it's Christmas. That tells mm-hmm. us it's how whatever's going on, she's setting the mood and the tone and the relational feel of the home. Yeah. And I love it. And I rise up and call her blessed because of it. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't do it on my own, nor would I do it on my own. Right. Yeah. Right. right? Yep. Yeah. So, man, it just, to me, it's just amazing. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I think we need to be thinking, too, just for, uh, th- this isn't just for women who are married. So we're not just talking about wives and husbands. We're also, we're talking about women. We're talking, so single women have the opportunity to be doing the same thing. They have the opportunity to be life givers as well. They are using, they can use this opportunity to be, in, if, if they're not married, I don't think they're gonna be married for a while, they're maybe never married. They have the opportunity to be the one who is kind of looking out and saying, how can I bring life to the people that God has brought into my life. So how can I be, how can I bring life to my neighbor? How can I yeah. bring uh, life to my workplace? How can I bring life to my friends? How can I bring life to my roommate who comes home and is wiped out, you know, and has to make a meal for herself? How could I maybe make the meal for her? There, there's, it, it's it's thinking. It's it's being observant. It is looking to see. My role as a woman is to, you know, really to bring, well, again, I'll just use the word life, bring life to the places that God yep. has given to me, to bring beauty to the place that God has given me. That's so a greater it, sense of glory. Yeah. yeah. So you're in a missional community. Yeah. Yeah. You could swing through Hy-Vee and buy that pre-made meal. Right. You could do that. Or you could practice mm-hmm. your femininity and you could buy the ingredients and you could whip up something special, you know, and, yeah. and and you can put some put some of your beauty into it, put some of your creativity, put some of your glory into it, and you could serve your missional community family like you will serve your future family. Yeah, that's right. But then also, if you don't know, get some other seasoned women to see if they can help guide you along, right? That's right. Yeah. So that's what this whole idea is. When when Paul goes to Titus and was writing to Titus, said the older women. You know, disciple the younger women, mm-hmm. uh, and it's interesting there because he says you need to do this so that the word of God will not be reviled. Mm. And I find that interesting because that saying that this isn't this isn't a side issue. This isn't uh you know no you know if women young women learned what it means to be a woman you know from an older woman it's no big deal. It, it means it's the very the word of God will be reviled. Mm. That means that it will be blasphemed. Um, that means that the feminists will say, see you know kind of a feel to it. But when we fulfill that, the word of God will not be reviled. And what's the key to the word of God? It's got the gospel. So the gospel will be lifted up as women are fulfilling the role that God has given them to make things beautiful, to make the gospel beautiful for the, so for the world. So that's a good point. So you were created, women were created to do this, but it doesn't mean that it's going to come naturally easy for them. Right. Just as young men are fools and they're, yep. they don't want to carry responsibility and they have to be taught to carry weight and responsibility. So young women 
will need to be taught how to be creative and yep, how to grow into it. Yeah. How to grow into it. How to make good meals. How to mm-hmm. create a good home. How to do all. Like it doesn't mean you're naturally going to be gifted at it. Right. Like, yeah. and quite frankly, your husband could easily be a better cook than you. If he if he was a chef, you know, he might be a he sure. might be a better cook. Sure. Um, and it maybe he is. Maybe he's the one that that cooks the meals. You know, yeah. I I don't know. But you are meant to grow up into this biblical femininity, and that is to make your home a life-giving place. And that requires training. Yeah. That requires failing. That requires, you know, every man probably remembers the first few meals that his wife made. <laughs> you know, like, this this rice was created just right, babe. <laughs> I like my rice crunchy. You know, like, it, it, that's, it happens, right? Um, so, so this sounds really good. Like when it, when of course, like a woman working in the home, right. Or maybe she stays in the home and she is just a homemaker in the home and she's taking care of the kids and all the things without, without a job. But what if a, a, a young lady or the wife says like to be a good helper is for me to go outside and work to be beside him. He, he doesn't make enough money or his boss is not giving enough money. He doesn't have enough education, all, whatever the things are. Yeah. Like what, what does that look like for, for those people? Yeah, so you've described a situation. So we'll go with the one situation, which is it's a married couple. Yep. And the, he's not bringing enough in. Uh, so she, the, they come together. Now, now we've, we've now brought in the masculinity back into the picture, right? So he needs to take responsibility for that. He needs to be able to say, you know, Okay, we're looking at the budget numbers, and the numbers don't they don't make it. And so there's two things you do: either you cut your expenses. So let's say they've cut all their expenses, and they still need income to come in. Then there is a place where, but she could she goes out into the workforce. And there's again, I'll go back and say that it's not we're not saying that women shouldn't work, but women should work in such a way that she's like that Proverbs 31 woman, which is she's all, she's doing it for her people. Yeah. So if it's a couple like this that you're talking about, it's for the family, it's for the household that is made up at that at that moment. So, yeah, she should she should she should do that, but ultimately, I think we're going to be turning back to the man and saying, "What do you need to do in order to grow your skills in such a way, take on greater responsibility so that your wife doesn't have to, you don't have to rely upon your wife in terms of her having to work outside, work outside home." Or perhaps it is the woman says, "Uh, I'll work while you go back to school. Mm. Okay, what is she doing it for? She's doing it again back. She's her 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 heart is turned towards her home. She's doing it for the good of her home at that for for a season of time most likely. Mm-hmm. So I think we it's again it's the it's the heart attitude that's most important here of why is she doing what she is yeah. doing. And again, I think some of it is going to be seasonal. Yeah. Yes. Where when you have when your kids are little, that we always say around here that mm-hmm. they're like wet concrete. Mm-hmm. And so they're very, they're easily formed. And then they become less easily formed. Mm-hmm. They, they, they get solid as they get older. And so the younger years of your children are some of the most important years. So it might be, let's just say this woman she was. She didn't find a husband. She was later in life, and let's say, let's say she, um, let's say she's a neurosurgeon. Okay. She has a very high paying job. She's probably going to be looking for a man with a probably in the same career or some similar with a high paying job. You know, she's not going to be more than likely finding a guy who's just loving video games and hanging out. You know. Well, 
for her, it might, it probably would mean to sacrifice a decade at least of her career to spend at home with the kids more than likely in order to disciple them in order to shape them in proper ways. But theoretically speaking here, they've got a great classical Christian school, (laughs) (laughs) right? You know, like, and so now maybe she goes, you know, she goes back to work. Okay. Now there will be, there will be some situations where the woman is the higher earner. Maybe this neurosurgeon falls in love with a librarian. That's see, that's not really see. But some of the guys that make less money have the courage to approach those girls. That's that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so you never know, right? <laughs> well, they have the courage, but statistically, they don't have the clout. Mm. So that type of woman wants a man with he, unless that dude is like a supermodel. Hey. Right. Okay. So that guy, if he looks, if he looks it, and he's got the charisma and some influence, maybe without mm. the money. But you or intelligence. Or it could inti- be a professor. It could be a professor who doesn't make much money, but yeah, they yeah, got yeah. it. And she that's loves true. those kind of con, you yeah, know. That's it true. Could be that. That's true. Yeah. So there's ways that, that yeah, can, it happen. can happen. Yeah. And and then there's also ways that the, the, we're not also not saying like a, a, a man can be providentially hindered. Mm-hmm. So a man could he, let's mm-hmm. say he's a neurosurgeon and he gets in a car accident yeah. and now he's a paraplegic. Right. Right. And so or some or or something or maybe he's just you know, and he has to stay at home. Yeah. Okay, that, that's not what we're talking about, right? That's not a normative. Right. That's not that's not normative. He's providentially hindered. Um, so this is some of it is seasons. Like you, if you're a single woman, and you feel like you want to be a Supreme Court justice or something like that, and you're working, you know, go ahead, work for that. But if the Lord gives you a husband, and He gives you a heart for a family, which He says He's going to do, you you. It is a sacrifice to lay that career to the side for a season of time to spend with your children. Mm-hmm. That, that's what God's calling you to do. And just like it's a sacrifice for us men to lay our whole life down yeah. for our wife and, and mm-hmm. for our children. Mm-hmm. We can't use the sneaky excuse, well, I'm doing it for my kids because I know if, and what we mean by that is, I'm going to chase this high-powered job, this high-paying job, because I'm going to give them everything they want. We're going to take expensive vacations, and we're going to have the big, nice house, and I'm going to pay for their college. And we're saying, and we're we're, we're applying, doing it for my children in only a, a monetary way, mm. and not in your kids need you mm. more than anything else. Your kids need you, and a stay-at-home d- d- babysitter a nanny, a whatever it is, is not a better you than you. Yeah. You are the best parent to your children. No one can parent your children as good as you can. Yeah. So during their young, young years, you need to have a lot of unstructured time with your children. Yeah. And that's going to require sacrifice. Yeah, and I, I would say that why this is so important is because if they are, and they are, if we're to be raising dragon slayers, you can tell a dragon slayer how to how to slay dragons, why you know, and why you should slay dragons. So you can tell them, you can give them a propositional truth, you can even give them the right behavior, and they can do all those things. But if they don't love the thought of being a dragon slayer, when that dragon shows up. They're going to crumble. Let me just say this. Dragons are slayed 
first and foremost in the home. Sure. Nasty attitudes, selfishness, pride, envy, anger, all of those dragons that big dragons start out as itty bitty baby dragons. Yes, they do. And those dragons are first slayed in the home. They're not slayed in the corporate world first. They're not slayed in academia. They're not slayed out in politics. They're slayed in the home. And so the home, that means the home is the primary battleground for the heart of our children. So we need to, feminism has demeaned the home. Feminism believes that academia and the marketplace is more important than the home. Yes. And that is a lie. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. That is a lie. The war for the cosmos begins in the home. Right. So it is not demeaning in any way for a woman to stay at home. Any per, any woman that says that is throwing shade and she's a liar. Okay? The most important thing you will ever do in your life, I don't care if you go to the moon as a woman, I don't care if you are a neurosurgeon, I don't care if you're, you cure cancer. The most important thing you will ever do is raise the inter, eternal souls that came out of your womb. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and I know ladies, if you've, if you don't have children, I know how that statement could be perceived as painful, but I also know that you desire that and you, and you want that and you, and you know, it's true. That's, that is one of the things you're created for. Now, sin has wreaked havoc on our bodies and sometimes that doesn't happen. I get it, but we need to recalibrate our minds and our visions to what God says is the most important. And that's, What's going on in our home, right? You're a life giver, right? Yep. That's what it is. Yeah, there you go. That's uh, We're getting there. <laughs> so hopefully Rob now has enough content for a sermon. <laughs> He's going to nail it. You guys going to be up there, right? <laughs> no. Panel discussion? Panel discussion sermon? So, All right. So that's some of what we're talking about, femini- femininity. If you have any questions, I'm sure you do. Ladies, email us. We would love to expand on it and talk more about it. We hope this was a blessing to you. We love you. We're praying for you. God bless. Uh-huh.